Podcast name played nobody. Time Warp Edition. Yay. I, by this point, have seen Aquaman and maybe winterized my lawnmower in addition to procrastinated buying my wife a Christmas gift. How? What do you think you've done in, in the week since we've met? I believe I watched a bunch of lower level, uh, lower division football um, and then probably some NFL too. Mm. My answer is not as good. I've already bought, I've already bought like this. I, I am I think done with presents though, um, mm. and I say that whether we're talking about when we're recording this or when you were hearing it. Either way, I've finished, and I am proud of myself for that. Uh, Amazon really came through for me on this one. Um, I had an issue with the four year old because you're like, "Hey man, what do you want for Christmas?" And he like tells you random stuff, and you're like, "Okay, we will coordinate that with Mister Claus." And then Mr. Claus goes and coordinates that. And then, like, a oh, day or two later, the four-year-old, being a four-year-old, is like, oh, I also want this thing I've never told you about <laughs> that I really can't explain. And I'm like, no, wait, wh- like, we got to lock this in, dude. <clears throat> we need a binding contract on what you think you're getting from Santa Claus, and it doesn't change. So open to advice on that one. We're not going to see uh, – we're not going to actually see Santa Claus until later. That's the problem. Um, how when, how when was Rilla- Aquaman, by the way? Fantastic. Mm, DC's better than Marvel. I will punch you in the stomach. I just don't believe you. Now I know you're lying and you haven't Mm. seen it yet. It's very possible that we were recording this early. This is Podcast Name Play Nobody. It is a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's the robot Bill Connolly. He's the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. And also he's the author of two books that I reckon Amazon can get to you still for Christmas if you're listening to this now. Maybe. I don't know. Expedited shipping. Are you prime? You should be prime. That's true. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. I hate your football team. Um, we ended last week's show uh, going through the front third of bowl appetizers, really, where they're just a, a modicum of quality, whereas now we're getting into the meat and the probably the PAPNiest uh, of the bowl slate, which is that not like right up front, ridiculously, obnoxiously early bowls, but like all the good <clears> stuff <throat> before you get to the bowls that matter. In the I don't know. North Texas Utah team. State is awfully PAPNiest. <clears throat> it's true, and I'm sure it was fantastic. All right, Bill, we're going to pick this right back up, do the bowls, and then we're going to jump into some Ask PAPN. Thursday, December 20th, tomorrow, as you are listening to this. How would you like, Bill? Could I interest you, it's my best David Letterman, uh, in a St. Petersburg Bowl with Marshall and the South Florida Bulls? It is not on Tropicana Field. and that um, What? Yeah, it's at, it's at Ray James Stadium now. No! So it's not in St. Petersburg? Uh, I'm pulling it up to make sure I am not completely making that up. Uh, I'm Googling Gasparilla Bowl. No, it's at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah. So it's not the same. Like the whole draw... The whole draw of this game was, A, it feels like Marshall's always there, even though I'm pretty sure they've only been there once or twice. And B, terrible turf. Horrible, horrible, hilarious-looking turf that looks like a forest. Um, True story. We're we're not going to get that. True story two years ago. Um, before we renovated our house. No, three years ago then. <clears throat> three years ago before we renovated our house, I really did work out of an attic, like an attic space that I converted into an office and it had like um, <clears throat> like vaulted, uh, slanted ceiling things or whatever. So I had to buy a really small television to put in a corner and I went and bought like the cheapest ass television that you could find, little flat panel thing. <clears throat> Some like <clears throat> busted ass, you know, Brazilian or Korean or whatever manufacturer. In fact, I don't know what that thing is called. 
while, while you're looking it up, I'll just Doesn't point matter. out that we so are I, both we are both uh, clearing our throats every half second because we are weaklings, and this is our second show that we've recorded today. And therefore, I'm not a weakling. I just have two children. It's December. I essentially, I probably have malaria in like a frozen North American version. So, anyways, the point of that story was I plug the TV in. I plug it into the cable box at the time, and the first thing that appears is that is that bowl game, and I was like, "Shit, this thing is broken." I was like, "This is like this is untenable picture quality." <laughs> and then it, I sit there and I sit there, and then finally I was like, "Well, let me try another channel." It was the field. There was yeah. something about that field. I don't know if it's because you're going like left to right instead of a baseball game. Like, not that I watch a lot of Rays games, but like that field. On, I don't care if you have the nicest television in the world. Like you got a, like, a, you know what? I'm gonna wait. I can't. I can't try it because this is Raymond James. This is bullshit. Uh, I was gonna say I'll try it on my new 4K TV, but it always looks terrible. It does. Also, shout out to I want to say it was a Deadspin article a couple years ago where they tested all the um, or they pulled all the uh, health inspections for the food at all the major stadiums, the big four sports, <laughs> and that was the chop was the one that failed, like like badly, like. Warm food, warm beer, like growth cultures, badly. So. And we're complaining that they moved it to a place that does football better. That's not the point of bowls. Raymond James, pretty, uh, pretty desolate though. Very much like a stadium in a parking lot kind of situation. And then, like two blocks away, is a Yankees training facility. So how 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 Tampa can one get? It's unbelievable. Uh, so on the football front, yeah. um, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> well. Again, like some of the other bowls we talked about last week that you've already seen. Um, they were while, great. While Godfrey was at Aquaman. Um, there's volatility here, and that's important for bowls. If you have like five extremely volatile uh, – f- five games with extremely volatile, volatile, volatile teams, um, three of them are going to be amazing, and then two yeah. are going to be terrible. And so this this really could go other, uh, either way in that regard. But South Florida is a um, – well, I mean, they've been volatile in, in plenty of good and bad ways. They do they do make a decent number of big plays on offense, at least back when they had an offense. They kind of didn't uh, down the stretch. They suddenly – they started the season 7-0. and They lost a shootout for their first loss, uh, 57-36, but that was still kind of keeping in uh, – you know, they, they had the same kind of DNA, and then suddenly the offense just vanished. Uh, 41-15 loss to Tulane, 23 points to Cincy, 17 to Temple, 10 to uh, UCF. I know they had quarterback uh, issues uh, for a little while there. I don't – let's see. What is the old uh, – what does DonBest.com say about their current uh, quarterback situation? Blake Barnett uh, is probable against Marshall, so there is that. Um, Do you remember what watchability ranking you gave this, Sunshine? I, this one I did not I, – I was not dramatically high on. I well, will say to, that. Just to make you angry, it is a watchability score of 2.0, which is fine. I would actually grade it a little lower. Um, but it's it outranked <laughs> Tulane and ULL by a tenth of a point. God, this I one offhanded my, post. I just didn't realize my coworkers hated football I, I, all this time. I thought they actually <laughs> this liked This one the offhanded post has just – Oh, it's, it is the gift that keeps pissing you off. Love it. Um, um, and Temple, yeah. by the way, is was pretty damn – well, Was number one, they were good. And number two, Temple. Why am I talking about Temple? Sorry, I just jumped ahead. Never mind. God, I'm on Marshall. You okay? I don't know where I got Temple there. I, was just, I, I can't wait to talk about the Temple game, about the Independence Bowl. 
All right, well, we got to hustle along anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> Marshall, yeah, Marshall has a very good defense, too. So they will probably <laughs> shut USF down. They might or might not score. We'll see. You have a pair of games on Friday, um, and this is when you know school's out and most people are playing hooky if they still have to work because you got a Friday 11.30 a.m. kickoff. FIU in Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl and BYU in Western Michigan in the Idaho Potato Bowl at 3 o'clock. So neither game in prime time. Um, if you're home from college, if you're not working, or if your kids' daycares are closed for the holiday season early, <laughs> I feel you. Watch Why would this. they move the Potato Bowl from the first Saturday, like the first bowl of bowl season, to Friday afternoon on the 21st? Well, I just hope that it's, it snows. That's, I mean, I don't really care about anything else. I just want it to snow. Yeah. Um, hmm. the, there are several. I remember distinctly the the. I will always remember this when I was in college, because at <laughs> when I was in college at Ole Miss in 2002, they Ole Miss turned down like stayed at home rather than go to go to the Idaho Potato Bowl. They declined an invite. Rather, like that was it, or you're going home. So they took Clemson and Louisiana Tech, which ended up being a great game, and. It snowed. <laughs> oh my god! It was like Norse mythology. Like it was just ridiculous. It was awesome. Um, see, just another dumb thing my alma mater does. Um, all right, let's check watchabilities on these bad boy. Do you remember anything that you graded on watchability? Because neither one of these is going to jump out and grab you. So yeah. if you want to put the cell on one of, I will let you put the cell on one of them. Well, FIU Toledo. It could be points in fun. Um, Watchability score of 1.7. Come on, people. Um, it, I, you know, it, it, we, we get kind of visions of like T.Y. Hilton for FIU and a whole bunch of really good offenses for, for Toledo. Really, only Toledo's got an offense. So it, that does kind of suck in that regard. But it, it, this is a really young and interesting Toledo team that I think was, was disappointing for a while, ended up doing really well down the stretch. Uh, they don't play defense, which is good. That could suck FIU into a little bit of a shootout. That's the, that's the goal here. Um, but from a motivation standpoint, Toledo's really young, and they should be a MAC favorite again next year. FIU, you know, went to you know their quarterback got hurt. They they, they made a bowl out of the blue last year, uh, and then their quarterback gets hurt on like the first play, and they they get blown out. So they probably have a little bit of motivation to go for here too. They are both successful mid majors that aren't looking for new coaches unless something very strange has happened in the last week uh, from when you're reading this. Uh, so in that sense, this is a kind of a high motivation, solid upside, uh, could be a pretty fun bowl from that quality perspective. BYU, Western Michigan, less so. <laughs> uh, Western Michigan lost their quarterback and kind of bombed out offensively down the stretch uh, before upsetting uh, an NIU team that had already clinched their division. BYU is, uh, well, well, we will just call the normal BYU now. They improved offensively. They're still not good offensively, uh, and they're still good defensively, so we kind of know what to expect there. Probably not contending for a national title as an independent anytime soon. By the way, the watchability score, 2.6. <sighs> Come on. How... It, <laughs> In what universe is BYU Western Michigan more watchable than FIU Toledo? God, I'm well aware that this is getting redundant for the listener, but I don't care because I've never really possessed a weapon of this magnitude to piss him off, and I will continue to do it. Let's move to Saturday, December 22nd. Oh, God, you're either on the road going to your relatives or there in your house, and this is why bowl games matter. They save you from talking to loved ones. And all four of these games could be fun. They are. This is actually a pretty good slate, too. I started 11 a.m. at the Birmingham Bowl, Memphis and Wake Forest. 
two thirty. By the way, all these games are on ESPN. At two thirty, we get Army in Houston. PAPN is hail in the Armed Forces Bowl. Buffalo and Troy are in the Dollar General Bowl at six p.m. Why is that game in prime time? Uh, and then Hawaii and Louisiana Tech are in the Hawaii Bowl at nine thirty. Um, I do want to point out that um, I can answer my own question there. They don't grid the bowls based on the matchups. In other words, like this is a better matchup and a more interesting game. We're going to push this. Right, They're already right, right. locked in, which yep. sucks. So you have Army in Houston, the game of the day by far, and it's at 2.30 instead of 6. Well, I mean, it's a Saturday, though. So, I mean, that's kind of a normal – back in the day, that was when the big game of the day was played. Now it's at 7, of course. But well, this ain't back in the day, old man. I'm going to ignore that comment. All four of these games are going to be good. Memphis Wake. Memphis is Memphis. um, And it looks like, again, unless something has happened in the last week, I'm really pushing my luck on this. uh, But Mike Norvell uh, is is still Memphis' head coach. And they are still going to have a badass offense. Daryl Henderson, Patrick Taylor, Brady White, uh, DeMonte Coxey. They have a – I mean, by God, they have a tight end named Magnifico. What more do you want uh, from your bowl bowl watching pleasure than that? Uh, Meanwhile, Wake Forest – not as good offensively as last year. They had a lot of quarterback issues um, that just kind of set them back a little bit. They've got you know a very young uh, passing game as a whole, young quarterbacks, young receivers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they weren't as good, but they were still better than the Wake Forest you remember from the old Wakey Leaks days. They're still like a top 60 offense. Uh, and they randomly put up 59 points on Duke and maybe the strangest, from an S&P Plus standpoint, the strangest single result of the year just ask kicking out of nowhere out of like not only yeah not like they were projected to lose the game at duke duke's a pretty solid team or was uh and then they go there they need to win to clinch a ball and they absolutely lay the hammer down just put the wood on them don't understand it at all and so like I mean, it's one games, and it was a you know a month between uh, games, and so who knows if that continues, any sort of momentum continues there. But regardless, it does seem like that this is going to be a really fun game, lots of interesting young players, um, mm-hmm. and you know what more do you want? <clears throat> um, okay, and then we have the good game. Um, not that that's a bad game, but I mean, Army and Houston, uh, clash of styles, uh, clash of personnel, clash of culture. Uh, it's just awesome. We, uh, we love these two programs for different reasons. Um, I don't know if Kendall Bryles will be the OC as we record this, but, um, you know what Houston's going to try to do. You know what Army's going to try to do. You get to watch them try and stop each other. <laughs> I mean, damn, dude, yep. what else do you want? I, that's the easiest, fastest sell I can give for this game. Yeah. Fast and fast and explosive versus plotting and relentless. It's going to be so much fun. Um, the one that, uh, I would like to pump up is actually the Dollar General Bowl, and that's Buffalo and yep. Troy, only because um, I don't think enough people respect what Buffalo did this year. I think it, I think it went way under the radar. It's our fault because we're supposed to be the advocate here. Um, <laughs> Buffalo is a hell of a football team. They had a great season. Uh, Troy is Troy, man, flat out. Troy is Troy. Um, Neil Brown will be on the sidelines for this one. So uh, I like um, – I think I like Buffalo in this. Buffalo is probably – They've got a mo- they've got some motivation here. They've been on national television. If you saw Buffalo play this year, it was probably either Maction at Ohio, where they got the ever living crap kicked out of them, or the MAC championship game against NIU when they blew a, le- a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. Um, so, like as amazing a year as they had, you know, fifty first in S and P plus ten wins. Um, Lance Leipold did an amazing job there. They still have 
probably a little bit of a chip on their shoulder from the fact that they've kind of not necessarily laid eggs. NIU is definitely not a, an egg lane, but they still blew it. Um, and What's that so wide receiver's t- name that Buffalo has who's so badass? Oh, they got two of them this year, but uh, Anthony Johnson is probably who Anthony you're thinking Johnson. Of. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, also have yeah. KJ Osborne, uh, a junior who's um, kind of a little more all or nothing, but still pretty good. They've got two good receivers. Tyree Jackson, it kind of hurts watching him throw a football. He's 6'7", and he throws like he's 6'1", um, but he's still he can still throw a pretty deep ball. He still runs the ball pretty well. They've got a couple of freshman running backs who are fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, they've got, they've got a lot going for them. Troy... Troy's offense wasn't as good as normal this year. It was extremely young, but they but it was still extremely explosive. It was kind of a, you know, sometimes they're going to blow up on the launch pad, but they're going to break off a couple long runs here and there. Um, and so, you, yeah, this this should be really, really cool. Um, and Buffalo has some of the best uniforms in FBS. Uh, so you got that to look forward to, too. Hawaii and Louisiana Tech. Hawaii, we tried to uh, we tried to really push them as our G five darling. I don't know if you remember that way back in like weeks one, two, and three. Didn't work. S and P plus okay. still hated them, and I got yelled at for it. But S and P plus ended up right. Uh, you get a Hawaii home game here. You yeah. know, it's fun. You'll be drunk probably um, if you're in my family. You will be. And then uh, Louisiana Tech is very Louisiana Techish this year. Um, uh, I think Louisiana Tech's been to this game. They've been. I mean, because of the old whack, they've played at Hawaii a lot. <laughs> right. This is a. These are familiar opponents. Yeah, and Louisiana Tech not as good offensively as normal, but they're really fast and mean on defense, and that's always that can be fun. And Hawaii, I mean, just just predict Hawaii to lose. Do whatever you can to get Nick Rolovich to get that chip on his shoulder again, so yeah. he can do angry things. Try and recruit his, his players. Yeah, that's right. Players. Try and recruit his players, and they will definitely win this game. Um, he will stab they you do, with a neck. They they do follow their their coach's lead it seems like but they can throw you know if you remember back in September when Cole Cole McDonald was your uh, your mid major Heisman favorite he did he, he if he gets two uh, let's see two hundred ten yards he needs two hundred ten passing yards uh, to finish with four thousand passing yards this year this is a what more do you want from Hawaii than that it's pretty awesome okay uh, the watchability who do you think had the highest <sighs> not the one I would pick I'm assuming. Army Houston has the highest with a 3.5 watchability, one out of yep. five, five being the best. Who had the lowest? Probably Buffalo Troy because, again, 2. My, 5. my coworkers hate football. 2.5. The other two had a 2.7. I would grade all four of these games. I would definitely grade the first three um, well over a uh, three, maybe a three. Like, I'm curious now what I actually voted, but these are good. Uh, this really is a great slate of games, especially yes, if is... you do progressively drink and deal with relatives, you'll be <laughs> intoxicated enough for Hawaii, Louisiana, Texas football shortcomings to still enjoy it. It's a hell of a day. It's really I good. really, I do still hate that we've now segregated bowls to where it's mid-majors before Christmas, almost all mid-majors Why? before Christmas and almost all P5s after Christmas. Why? Just Well, this is a chance, among other things, this is a chance for like really – Good. There, how many G five versus P five matchups are there? Like four, like in, in the entire bowl slate. That's kind of crap. That's 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 massive crap, actually. Um, the problem is, and we, if you want to pause and talk about this, I'm totally in support of what, of uh, man. I, I I like the vibe you're sending out, my homes. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> there's no way to do this right. I don't think because I've thought a lot about it. We talked on the previous show about. You know, it makes sense for the CUSA and Sunbelt champions to meet each other in like a major event. I sure. think the Superdome in New Orleans is perfect for that. Um, you know, the AAC champion usually contending for a G5 uh, for the New Year Six. Right. The AAC champion 
you know, they want to be considered for a permanent bowl slot. And so it's hard to get them on board. Do you send the Mac and Mountain West champions to play each other? Well, no, I want the I, no, 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 I'm not want... saying how. I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying what happens now. I'm saying, like, what would you do with the champions? What would you do with – do you enter – okay, how about this? Pause. Scrap <laughs> it. You ready? No, no, I'm serious. After – in the current system, mm-hmm. you're going to have one G5 team in the in the rotation, and they're not going to get in the playoff as we've discussed, right? So, like, this year it's UCF, and they're going to the Fiesta. They're in playoffs here, right? Got it? Okay. Is there a way to take, like – the champions of the leagues and then like X amount other best G5 teams and then put them in a series of like yeah. badass G5 bowls or or do you want them to be positioned against P5 teams? See, what do we want here? Well, I, I mean, from a rating standpoint, I like the connectivity of having them play power five teams, having like, you know, the Mountain West champ play like the number three or four Pac-12 team and the MAC champ playing a Big Ten team. And, and I don't so know if on. I do, man. I, well, the problem with that is that, you know, the, I, I understand the P5 teams don't really, or the P5 fan bases don't really like that because they want to, they, they, uh-huh. they, they, they'd rather have a, something to play for. And if you lose to a mid-major, it's always going to look bad and blah, 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 blah. I still, like, it's it's a hell of a lot easier to get to the end of the year, uh, each every single year, and say, well, UCF, I mean, who have they played? Memphis. They barely beat Memphis. That doesn't sound very good. And and continue to con- completely crush them for a ske- for 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 having a weak schedule. I realize they're not getting crushed because of Memphis, but still, like they don't get credit for beating good fellow mid majors because we don't necessarily see those fellow mid-majors playing uh, and getting a chance to beat the bigger teams, especially at the end of the year. We overreact to bowl games in every other way, but this is in a way we get to overreact to those bowl games. I can certainly see like the showcase aspect, but I don't think, but that makes it sound like it's the FCS finals or something. Hey, look at these little schools playing each other. It's better quality than you think. Whereas Appalachian State could beat about two thirds of P5 teams, but they don't get the chance to do that. What if, um, this is why I, I think the the party line of SB Nation podcast ain't play nobody, and the idiots in the corner have full cast. We all like the, the number, the volume, the volume of the bowls for all the reasons that we've already told y'all, and I think y'all do too. Maybe you just have to, you know, we went through this era of where the bowls are evil, 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 and like the <laughs> idea that like the Gasparilla Bowl is somehow as evil as like the Rose gumming up a national playoff is insane, but that's. The narrative we held. What if we just had some sort of major oversight? And I, I don't, I can't get granular on this yet. In fact, this may be something that is just. I think the big content signs going off in Jason Kirk's years. But um, we need to steer this thing as a body and create some kind of uh, almost the way that college basketball is so smart about taking the first one or two weeks of the season and being like, all right, Michigan state, North Carolina, you guys are going to play each other on an aircraft carrier. You know, (laughs) like that happened. Um, Kansas, Kentucky, you know, whatever. Who's a good mid major Dayton. Really? This is a bad, this is a bad, bad format for me to be dabbling in. Cause I don't know a lot about basketball. You guys are going to play a tournament at Madison square garden, right? I was in New York. I was in New York in early December and like, you know, Florida's up there playing West Virginia or something like that. Ooh, tournaments with 30-minute games. Well, okay. Slow down there, Cylon. 
I just meant we need to we need to instead of avoid the oh god UCF Florida situation, which I know is a New Year's Six deal, but I've seen it happen a thousand times where if these nearby AAC teams and in particular P fives are rubbing up against like oh but you know team this team could potentially play each other like oh I think there was one year where it was like. If Auburn and Troy are near enough to each other to play, or Auburn and, or, and UAB or something like that, play the damn game. Like, lean into that first and foremost, okay? Uh, we need to have some sort of committee that looks at the bulk of bowl games, and I don't know how you do it, but you start actually creating the matchups on... by You create matchups by quality and not by this insane jurisdiction, you know? So you go about a committee that pulls together... Of however many bowls there are, fifteen and arguably watchable games. You know, I don't know how you do it. I, I, I know it's hard, and I know it's a moonshot, but I think we're closer than we realize, right? Because we do occasionally end up with badass games, but more often than not, we're sitting here talking about like, damn, we were so close to having X versus Y. You know? Well, I do think. <laughs> I mean, I I always talk about you know I want I want let's have a scheduling committee, and I'll be, you know I'll be the scheduling committee. Well, I think you know if we use some. Uh, you know, geography and computer rankings and whatnot and all these other things as a tool, then yeah, like you could certainly make some really fun regional matchups. And I understand that it helps the bowls, it helps the conference. Well, I don't know. Let's see here. It helps the bowls, I guess, to have the, the conference ties. Uh, it I helps guess. the bowls to have good games. Well, right. I know. I Like I don't, I guess it does help them to have conference ties. It helps the conferences to know how many that they're, you know, as, like, especially like the Sun Belt, we're going to at least get this many teams in bowls. I, I get that. Um, but it does feel like if there was a more universal way to just basically say, here is your, here is your pool of bowl teams, go start mashing them together. Um, then maybe that results in a lot better stuff than saying, hey, this is going to be SEC number seven versus Pac-12 number six or, or yeah. however it just, that ends it up It never works. It never creates compelling content. And I know that ESPN kind of tried that this year. Um, if it all means like, nothing, huh? then why not if – it, if it all means nothing, then why not really embrace the idea of exhibition? Yeah. And, and put your best foot forward as a sport – you know, almost as like a big holiday review of here, you know what? We've got this four or six or eight or whatever team playoff. And then all the rest of these guys were coming together for a big show-stopping number. And you get 10 awesome games spread over these days. And then, oh, yeah, also, if you're still interested, you get this. And you line the bulls up by payouts and you strip everything out and you just say, all right, the bulls with the biggest payouts get the best picks. And that's it. That's all you have to do. Well, yeah, don't, um, let, don't let the bowls make the picks because then that. <laughs> no, that's that. what we've been doing, and that's why we're getting oh, yeah, what we're okay. getting. No, I'm saying some sort of steering committee. Um, you totally drove us into a ditch. Well, that's totally kind of my. That's kind of the whole point of the podcast. But okay. All right. Well, I'm just saying. You know, less time for questions. Um, let's go to Wednesday, December 26. Are you ready for a three game slate? It's the day after Christmas. <laughs> You're sleepy. You're fat. Probably go to the movie theater, something like yeah. that. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see if we're going to go to the movie theater after this slate. You ready? Serve Pro Bowl. <laughs> Boise, <laughs> St- Boise State and Boston College at 1230 on ESPN. Yeah. The quick lane. And this is, this is one of the G5 versus P5 matchups we get. Boise State versus Boston College. Come they on. totally whiffed on this, man. Uh, quick lane bowl, Georgia Tech and Minnesota at 415 on ESPN. And in primetime, the Cactus Bowl, California against TCU at 8 p.m. on ESPN. PN. This is not a great day. 
It's kind of Paul Johnson day is what it is. Um, he is coaching the, the game, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, P, you know, PJ versus PJ. <laughs> right? Um, Adazio with his new extension against uh, Harson and Boise. Actually, that's the game of the day. That's the game no. of the day. No. 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 Why? Boston College sucks is why. See, you spent the whole year saying Boston College sucks, and then I was the one saying, well, actually, they're pretty good. And then the last yeah, then month, they Boise, were yeah, 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 they blew up, and now Boise could punk them on television. Well, sure, but... Isn't like that the, not is that not what our secret agenda is on this on this podcast <laughs> to, to prop up Boise State? Do you not um, get the same it, memo. We are once again the official podcast of the Mountain West Conference. Um, Hell yeah, yeah. I, I I could just think of like thirty eight other P five teams I'd rather Boise State be playing the Boston College uh, because even if Boston College comes out and plays well, and and let's and let's be fair, they don't have to be coached by Scott Loeffler anymore. Um, even if they do well, it's still kind of that just means they're kind of like grind out the entire sec- second half of the game and it won't be very fun. And you have missed this memo. They just <sighs> gave Steve freaking Adazio a massive contract extension no. for this that season at Boston College. Oh, I know. And then they could I know. go get punked by Boise. Sure. Um, and like I said, they might play well now that they don't have certain offensive coaches. But I, yeah, I, 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 how, how much longer did Adazio have on his contract? I've been assuming that that was just a case where it's one of those fire him or extend him kind of things. It was. Okay, and they, yeah. they, chose, they chose poorly. They chose very poorly. Uh, you, can't fire, you can't fire a coach at Boston College for going 7-5, and five, though, even if they did suck down the stretch. Like, that's, okay. Of course, then again, quick. they already fired a coach this decade or within the last decade for going like 9-3 and three or whatever that Jeff Jagosinski situation was. But anyway. Over at ye old quick lane bowl. Here's what I'm hoping. This is the game of the day. Here's what I'm hoping. Bill, what I'm hoping is that PJ Fleck gets a little chirpy at some point in time <laughs> and says something. You want to see Georgia Tech score 70 points. I want to see Georgia Tech turn the wood chipper on. All right. Lay down a tarp and get rid of evidence. He's not going to say a damn word. He's going to be very. If PJ uh, Fleck is smart, friendly. he's not going to say row the boat. He's not going to speak. He's not going to even put bass in his voice when he speaks. He's going to be the most humble, friendly human being in the world to Paul Johnson. Because if he doesn't, that old man is going to come out like this latter stage Clint Eastwood uh, period that we're in, where he makes all those movies for Warner Brothers, where he's just like an old man on a porch, and then he goes and kills like 22 minorities. Um, That's going to happen. Paul Johnson is going to murder Minnesota. If he even if he's even slightly interested in doing it, he will. But complacency can set in at Tech under 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 that PJ. Minnesota could slide by if they're really polite, and if not, it's just going to be a sheen of blood across the snow. <laughs> I do think um, one thing we've got going for us is even if PJ Fleck is enormously polite, and he will be, this could be a situation where Paul Johnson's just like he's got way too much energy. I don't like him at all. Yeah. Um, so that's what we. Yeah, have no, he for. can get pissed off on principle. It, that yeah. is the, that is the domain of the angry old man in America. Yeah, so I mean, exactly. it's very, so, very possible. Um, uh, Cal TCU is a lopsided thing for me because I, I look at TCU and I'm like, damn, TCU we got bulgeable. First one of ten points wins. Uh, I dig this new Cal thing, man. I dig it. Uh, well, it's different. I mean, it's different, and they seem to have adopted it, so there is that. It's not fun. There's nothing I dig, fun about it. Here, there's nothing fun about it whatsoever. It did suck that they didn't win the Axe this year because um, it felt <laughs> like this was sort of the year for them to do like a, a kind of culture sea change. Didn't happen. No. Um, but I think that 
I think I can get behind anything where they write off a situation as, as hopeless, especially for dumb reasons. They're like, yeah, you know, Cal, it's too tough to get into. Like, they don't have the ability to do what Stanford does with the private endowment. And so I'm like, what, you're just going to cancel football, asshole? Like, no. They they got a guy who's from there who gets it and coaches his ass off on defense, and that's closing the margin in a lot of ways. TCU just had a really weird year. I just don't I don't have a beat on that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they still have a TCU defense, and that's the thing I'm that kind of not going to say that there's a problem with TCU and Gary Patterson because every time someone even remotely doubts the Gary Patterson era at TCU, the following season they come in like just <laughs> right. fucking hell, piss, and fire. So we're not doing that. You didn't say your mouths, by the way. Yeah, no. Um, um, yeah, sorry about that. Sean Robinson, he gets hurt in in mid October. Their offense was already pretty bad at that point. Then Michael Collins, the pen transfer, takes over. Um, he, I, I, you could, I guess, say he passed the ball better. The offense didn't really look any better, or at least not really. And by the end of the year, they were playing Grayson Muelstein again. Um, so they really, it was a revolving door, and that's always going to hurt you. But even before Robinson got hurt, they were still extremely. Uh, volatile in the passing game. They weren't consistent really at anything offensively. And, you know, they went through a period of losing. They scored 16 on Texas and 17 on Iowa State and 14 on Texas Tech. And what, in in retrospect, only scoring 28 on Ohio State uh, was something too. But then they go 14, 10, and 16 down the stretch as well. They finally, they found a little bit of offense to beat Oklahoma State and therefore qualify for a bowl. It did look like they were going to finish the year 5-7. Well, they only scored 28 in Ohio State because they played the tougher of the two Ohio State head coaches. Uh, 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 uh. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong right now. Uh, yeah, they weren't. Ohio State wasn't any better in September. Anyway, um, so TCU's all defense. Cal's very much all defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the over-under for this game, I believe it's still under 40. So, yeah, we've got I, – I, S&P <laughs> says uh, TCU by one. And so we're, th- this one has like 14, 13, 17, 16 written all over it, Absolutely. which is fine if, you, if, that's, if you're into that sort of thing. That's fine. Um, Bill, would you like to guess the highest watchability ranking uh, of these three games? Probably TCU. Oh, Incorrect. No, no, Let's see, Incorrect. TCU. That's the lowest at 2.1. Thank God. The highest would be Georgia Tech and Minnesota yeah. at 3.3, and splitting the difference is Boise and BC at 2.8. Yeah, okay. My coworkers did okay on that one. Well, this isn't as fun if you're not pissed off. Godfrey. Yes. We hear coaches talk a lot about sudden change situations. The, mm-hmm. You get the opportunity to go deep, and you need to take it when you get the chance because you don't get that many chances. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? I think you're probably talking about Pills for your penis, Bill. Are you? Oh, that's absolutely what I'm talking about. Yes, definitely. Hell yeah, that's Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. BlueChew.com. Throw in that promo code for SB Nation. You can try it free. It's essentially, uh, it's a hurry up offense, right? And it's uh, when you got to call an audible and, uh, you know, get your wiener working, this is the way to do it. It's BlueChew.com. Uh, you can increase your performance, get that little extra confidence in bed. This is what BlueChew.com wants to tell you. It is a chewable, chewable FDA-approved active ingredient tablet that is essentially like Vi- Viagra and Cialis. Uh, so you know it works. It's the same stuff. Um, it's going to get your wiener rock hard just like those other pills would. Um, you can take it now. You can take it later. You can take it immediately as soon as you need it. You can even take it on a full stomach. It doesn't matter. Well, thank God. Um, I mean, you, I mean, look, you go out, 
eat a lot of ribs, right? Maybe, uh, you know, you get a plate of raw oysters as the old wives tale goes, that doesn't work, right? Crankshaft still not going. Just fire up a bluechew.com. It's prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a very discreet package. There's no in-person's doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and no IRL awkwardness. You simply get on the internet, receive your wiener pills, and they come directly to your home in a secure, uh, let's call it, not confidential, let's call it discreet package. How about that? And They've got a deal right now for our listeners. If you go to bluechew.com and you get your first shipment free when you use that special promo code SBNation, and it's just $5 shipping. By the way, one thing to keep in mind, it's not yeah. about just about dysfunction. It's about people who want extra function. Right. I mean, it's just like in college football. If you struggle to get over the top and get to the summit, like, uh, I mean, hey, like going blue, right? Go blue. You know, just like our friends who yell go blue all the time. Maybe you need to go blue in real life. Get, you know, get, get past that thing you can't seem to do. But for your wiener, you can go blue with bluechew.com. Go blue. All right, we move on to Thursday, December 27th. We have three more games. You ready? Yep. The greatest bull of them all. The granddaddy. The most scenic, the most beautiful, and the most storied stadium in college football. The Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Hell yeah. Duke and Temple, 1230 ESPN. The Pinstripe Bowl in some minor league baseball park uh, is Miami and Wisconsin at 415. And the Texas Bowl in primetime, Baylor, Vanderbilt, 8 o'clock ESPN. Uh, First glance. (sighs) This is a who shows up. Do we have an anxiety bowl here in the middle? Miami, Miami, Wisconsin. We have well, an anxiety Miami. bowl. Miami's anxiety. I'm not going to pretend Wisconsin's anywhere close Scotty's to anxiety. Scotty's year bowl. has been a lot of cheesy butt. Sure, sure. And after they damn near made the playoff last year, they get a uh, they no, got a no, mulligan no, no, no. there. There's sorry, no sorry. anxiety. Yeah, 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 let me clarify. Not exam- no, no, I mean, nobody's getting fired from the bowl. I'm just right. saying uh, a, a particular long-lasting pungent assiness would follow you into the offseason if you were to lose this game. Yeah, Miami's been favored all like since original lines were released, and I'm really confused. I don't get that at all. No, I mean S and P has has propped Miami up all year, um, and they. Well, Scott, have... I mean, all joking aside, you're playing this game outdoors in New York. <laughs> yeah, are you gonna put um, the U in that, or are you gonna take Scotty? Well, right. Just I like a thought. It. But even without the weather thing, uh, yeah, S and P Plus has propped Miami up all year and only has them projected to win by zero point seven. So you put, make oh any God. weather adjustment whatsoever, and it's Wisconsin's. To, mm-hmm. Plus, this is an awkward recording time. We don't know if Manny Diaz is still the defensive coordinator as we record this. Um, imagine, this is, imagine a snow game here. <laughs> I know. It's like Wisconsin. It's just like you throw water on Gizmo after midnight. And Diaz or no Diaz, this is a fascinating offseason for Mark Rick because he's still yeah. not far away. For all the reasons I wrote about midseason, like they've got a really, they've got a young, fun set of offensive personnel. They've got a couple. Are options. you dusting off a, a, a 2019 Miami's in it take? No, I'm not. I'm saying it's a big offseason. I'm not saying they're in it. But okay, I'm just saying makes, like you got to let me know before you point that guy. No, no, out. this is this is what I was saying a couple months ago. Like with the like if he finds his Joe Moorhead, if he if he chooses, if he comes to understand that he needs a Joe Moorhead, yes, there and you then go. he goes and finds him. 
they've got offensive personnel. And even if, 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 or when Diaz is gone and awkward, 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 um, they still have a hell of a lot of defensive talent. They're still going to be good defensively. Um, yeah. they, they're just, their offense is broken and they have to figure out how to fix it. And they can, they have the talent. Um, he just has to understand what fixes are needed and he has to make them. And we don't know that he will, if he does, this is a very good team next year. Not like, you know, mm. top five national title contender kind of stuff, but they're going to mm-hmm. be, they could easily bounce back next year. They have to understand the problems they're facing though. I think we'll Duke see. Temple will be a better football game than this. This from start to finish. This is a motivation day. Temple will show up. Baylor yes, and Vanderbilt, Baylor and Vanderbilt will both show up. Wisconsin might show up. <laughs> Duke, Duke and Miami might show up. We don't know, uh, but that this day will be defined by who shows up to play. Uh, for all the unappealingness, at least on the surface level, of like a Vanderbilt team that's that's very like clunky, even when successful, <laughs> and a Baylor team that you may have a stigma against because of the previous regime culture stuff, like they're going to work their asses off in this game yes. for for kind of the same reason, I think. Yeah, and and Kashawn um, Vaughn. Um, from Vanderbilt kind of emerged midseason Illinois transfer explosive as hell. He kind of emerged as they started kind of building the offense around him uh, late in the year. Their last four games, they scored 45, 28, 36, and 38 uh, yeah. with Vaughn as kind of the focal point. He's really, really fun. Uh, and you might not have heard of him unless you live in the SEC region. And even then you probably haven't paid any attention. He's, he's, he's very good. And he's, um, I mean, he's a dynamic Vanderbilt offensive player. This is <laughs> this is a new world for Derek Mason, and I hope he has a breakout game here because he really could be interesting next year. And this is his chance to kind of prove it. Baylor's well, Baylor's regard- not maybe the best measuring stick for this, but if Vanderbilt has an offense, then yes. they've got that last big puzzle piece that they need. Well, under now they got to find their defense again. Their defense sucked this year, so they got they got their defense wasn't as good. But the system depth guys for Mason as he runs that baby Stanford system, I would think that they would have a formidable enough defense to complement with the ability to score some points. Man, you would that's hope. right. I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very generous here, but like that's sort of the missing thing for, for Vanderbilt these last couple seasons under Derek Mason, where you just haven't, you haven't paid attention to them for a number of reasons. One, they're Vanderbilt, but also like they've just, I mean, look, the Vanderbilt offense the past month beats Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame with Brandon Wimbush, yeah. Exactly. Um, Doesn't matter. That was... I'm transplanting one thing out of time. I don't <laughs> sure, have to transplant both yeah, like that, things out that of time. That kind of blew my mind there. Um, but they um, but they don't lose against South Carolina. I think that you know they, they possibly beat Kentucky. Like There are situations here where they're now like a Florida Bowl team. You know, and that's what, that's what, <laughs> but no, I, I'm not no, 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 yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like Tampa, Jacksonville, Orlando, which is like what that program, that's a certification that would carry you. Like he would get his five-year extension. <laughs> that's what, that's what they need. That's yeah. what they need. What's unfortunate about this game is Jalen Hurd, the, um, well, a Baylor's star receiver and B Jalen Hurd, former Tennessee running back. Oh, um, could have had it. Could have had it. He's out. Uh, he he injured his knee and he's not playing in the bowl. And that sucks because he almost he was four, 54 yards from a thousand yard receiving season. Uh, after everything he went through at Tennessee, he turned out to be a, a rock solid and interesting uh, receiver at Baylor. And it stinks that he doesn't get to kind of have this showcase game. It does stink indeed. Um, I didn't check, but I'm going to do it right now. Duke Temple, wh- what was your guess on watchability? 
I, mean, I like this game. I like, I like the interim coach Ed Foley going bonkers. That was awesome. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I would. I would hope that. Well, I'm sure they. Oh God, two point Are you freaking kidding me? God. You're supposed to guess. It's it's called an audio thing. You're supposed to guess. You're not just supposed to Google it and scream. Um, so the watchabilities for these games are as follows: None of them break three. I think that's ridiculous. I'm really, you really have rallied me against the watchability. Whereas uh, last th- two you, weeks Mark. ago, I was enjoying making fun of you about it. Duke Temple rates out at a 2.0. Miami Wisconsin rates out at a 2.8, and then Baylor Vandy is a 2.1. Hmm. Miami Wisconsin is just going to be a fun mess to watch, and so well, sure, yeah, it'll be a I mess guess, either way. Like, Hopefully, it does. I definitely think those other two games are a little underrated. I know Baylor Vandy just lacks a certain sex appeal, and I get that, but. There are things to watch for sure. Derek Mason Seriously. also almost the head coach of Colorado. So <laughs> almost. Now this is almost. all right, 2. Bill. 0. That's round two of bowls. When we come back uh, on the twenty eighth or twenty seventh, we haven't figured out when yet, but around them parts, we will look at Auburn, Purdue, and the Music City Bowl. A game I probably will be attending. It'll be the first game I've attended as a college sports reporter this year. Brave New World Digital Media. And then we'll get we'll get into the New Year Six and the playoff, obviously, all that good stuff, because that's actually on the Saturday, the 29th. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's very weird. Extremely strange. Um, New Year's Day is going to have no bowls of consequence. <laughs> no, I'm, I am mean, they have bowls, obviously, like Fiesta and Rose. But, and not, Sugar, yeah, but not like title consequences. So right. strange, man. I bet, the, I bet the ratings suffer accordingly. We'll have fun making fun of that. But we move on. Ask PAPN, hashtag Ask PAPN on Twitter. You can also visit Reddit slash PAPN. Uh, what we tried to do is pick out some some less timely questions, something that's a little bit more uh, evergreen as we record these kind of things in a vacuum right now. Uh, Bill, is there anywhere you want to go first? Nope. Awesome. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> <sighs> well, let's start with something that kind of broke a little bit earlier in the month, but it's, it's a debate that's going to continue on. Uh, Chester asks, do you find it ironic that the 80s and presidents are willing to now talk about an eight-team playoff in a year where the top teams are quite clear? Um, I don't think that they necessarily started talking about that. I kind of think a lot of that was a manufactured narrative and then, oh my god, they're talking about eight teams. Hey man, newsflash. They've been talking about eight teams since before they conceived the four-team playoff. That's a conversation that happens every year. I don't really get the idea that all of a sudden, this has suddenly popped into their minds. Some of that was sort of manufactured in yeah, a way that it came out. It was out. extremely manufactured last week at a very strange at a, at a rival publication. It's just, um, yeah, of course they're talking about it. Of course they're trying to figure out what the next steps are. And as long as it makes sense financially, and it does, uh, I, I think it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, and it's been one of those like the like any sort of like political argument. Uh, it all comes back to taxes. Um, it really has like every question you ever get about the, uh, about the CFP on like a radio hit, it always comes back to you. Do you think this is going to push them over the top and move towards an 18 playoff? Um, and so like, no matter what happens, that's, that's how we spin it. Like, do you think this is going to be the thing that pushes, I, I don't know, but, um, the, the, the stuff that happened that came out last week was really strange to me. It just, yeah, th- three of the four teams were deadly obvious. The fourth was pretty obvious. Um, and there was basically there was basically there were basically two teams that had somewhat of a decent shot. One of them had two losses, and the other sucked for most of the year. And we complained about how much they were underachieving. And then they looked good for a week and a half, and we're suddenly t- trying to 
spin it like they were screwed, Ohio State, of course. Like they were screwed and they should have, you know, they're, uh, the fact that they weren't included in the playoff is, is, is reason we should expand. It was just so silly and it feels more fake and manufactured every year. Um, now, I mean, all that said, I've always been uh, okay with the thought of an 18 playoff. I do think we need to figure out player health care long-term stuff and figure out how to get them like the you know move toward the olympic model too and and make sure that they're compensated a little better if suddenly we're going to be asking us at least a couple teams to play 16 games in a season but it makes perfect sense it would solve a lot of of college football's biggest issues like the fact that g5s don't have a shot in the world uh we're, we're like we simultaneously try to say that every game matters when for half of fbs no game matters uh it would solve a lot of issues in that regard I'm just really, it's just so weird. Like suddenly I, I'm, I was, I've been like turned off by the argument because I think it, it, it's been so fake and manufactured this time around. Okay. Um, couple, uh, couple fast ones. This is a neat one. Definitely PAPN. Maverick Cassidy asks, what is the possibility of UTA? And he means the university of Texas at Arlington and little rock establishing football programs in the Sunbelt. <laughs> Having 12 teams would help the two divisions, uh, until the pod system goes into effect <laughs> and establish rivalries with Arkansas state, little rock and UTA and Texas state. Uh, Maverick, you're probably putting your, your cart in front of your horse there. I think what you want to do is get them, uh, a little bit more established before you jump straight to the Sunbelt. Yeah. And um, I got all for expanding the Sun Belt. Why not take teams that are already good? I would also. I think he's just thinking in terms of pure geography, markets, and I'm assuming yeah. Maverick is from that part of the country. As I look, I um, mean C- Central Arkansas has already got a pretty interesting football program. If you're gonna, if you want to yeah. find a rival for Arkansas State, and there are a lot of FCS Texas schools that you could try to lure. I've always thought I've thought that for a long time that Sun, the Sun Belt should be kind of. Like if they're like it, it might benefit them to look into moving in that direction. I understand they've still got the Georgia schools, they've still got North Carolina and South Carolina schools, so it's, it is a little bit weird in that regard. But it, it is an area to expand, and there are programs in that state that would probably fare pretty well at the FBS level if they chose to pursue it. Um, also, I would point out that the state of Arkansas, in terms of the legislative power, they are not interested in having another FBS team in that state. It's okay. dumb and short-sighted because it technically means more revenue. But uh, I mean, I think there's a. I know there's a lot of people within that state and seats of power that regret granting that granting that to to Arkansas State. Um, it's weird, but it's true. So just keep that yeah. in mind. Uh, a couple of questions about Year Zero. I'm going to combine here. Okay. Um, Jacket Dan. Uh, who's obviously a tech fan in Atlanta, says clearly Jeff Collins will get a year zero at Georgia Tech, but how much of a year zero should Georgia Tech fans brace themselves for? Secondly, does S&P Plus have any kind of adjustment for significant shifts in offensive or defensive no. schemes? So while you think that over, no, I've got to scroll over. All right, you said no. Okay. <laughs> uh, i got to scroll over and read the question from at Naive Berserk, and he's saying, uh, which new hires so far are in a year zero situation? which are in a win now mode. So no, you don't make any kind of concession or, or adjustment for a massive philosophical change. I think we're overemphasizing this to a degree. It's the triple. It's not like they're playing rugby. Okay. It's still the same sport. They're going to be a little rough in certain personnel groups. And yeah, he is going to get a year zero for adjustment there, but it's not like they're going to go, all right, Jeff, just win three by 2020. Like that's, that's not the situation there at all. No. Um, well, to, to address the, to address the money part in, or the, 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 the money part, what the hell, the S and P part in, in more detail. Um, 
it's impossible to do that without getting extremely subjective. And the whole point is to kind of create a system that starts the conversation for you and then you can make those subjective adjustments. So no, it's going to look at percentage of rushing and passing yards and receiving yards returning. It's going to look at, <coughs> excuse me, recruiting rankings and all that. Um, and, and like we've talked about before, I don't think like, yeah, give them a, a year zero for sure. Among other things, Jeff Collins kind of, proved both of his years that it takes him a little while to get to, to figure out what he's got. And then by the end of the season, he's got one of the better teams in his conference. That's probably, that might be a little too much to ask, but they're going to have like, I understand the cut blocking thing is something they have to figure out there. The offensive line is going to take a little bit of a rebuild. They're still going to have some, some athletes and um, they're still going to have some opportunity to um, on, on defense that this, I'm going to consider this a good thing. They had quite a few seniors. Uh, and so they're going to be able to kind of engineer a youth movement um, and and kind of get Collins' guys in there as quickly as possible. Um, and, and so they, they could be kind of hit or miss, but they could be pretty good by the end of the year. But uh, yeah, yeah, give them a year of zero because it is a weird change, but I'm, just, I'm not going to account for that from a numbers perspective. Uh, to answer the question about which of the, the, new, hero, the new heroes, the new hires are in win, uh, year zero or win now mode, um, it's a little tricky to identify obvious year zeros. Um, I can probably name you a couple, like Walt Bell at UMass mm. Zero. <laughs> they don't want to hear that because they've been at Year Zero for a long time. Um, the win nows jump out so much, so much easier and so much clearer to understand. So, if I'm looking at a win now, Gary Anderson at Utah State, you, it's not broke. There's nothing to be fixed. <laughs> You're expected to maintain. And you've got that. something to prove. Yeah, Ryan Day, Ohio State, same situation. Um, I think that. It's kind of funny. Like I wouldn't put that tag on some of the people who are expected to transition up, like a Matt Wells going to Texas Tech, but I would put that label on Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky, given the circumstances of that yeah. of that coaching change. The ones that you find the win nows immediately are not technically coaching changes, but it's the ones where either there was a major extension granted, or there was a situation where we thought the job was open and it didn't. So the Clay Helton is the obvious choice at USC. That's an immediate win now. I would also throw Mike Bobo in there because Bobo was thought to maybe possibly been on the hot seat. And then Chris Ash, obviously, at Rutgers. Um, yeah. Very shocked that they didn't make a change there. So I would say Levy Smith, but who the hell knows anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope, like, well, who the hell knows? Yeah, I'm not even going to touch. I'm not gonna even going to touch Illinois yet. Um, where to go next? Uh, I I think he asks this all the time, so I'm just gonna keep it going, and we can turn into a show meme. Daniel Owen B asks, "Should UConn drop football? What do you think this week?" <laughs> Hell no, nobody should drop football. Um, should add football. Well, <laughs> we should add yeah. football. I'm Let's actually happy on. that, as weird as this sounds, that Edsel gets another year. I don't really know why. Um, Why? I don't, I don't know. Um, like I think he, the, the youth move, I, I kind of just, I'm curious now to see what happens. Like the youth movement they underwent on off on defense was about as big a youth movement as I've ever seen. Um, okay. they're leading tacklers, uh, this year, sophomore, sophomore, there was a senior, Freshman, sophomore, freshman, 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 junior, sophomore, freshman, sophomore, freshman, 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 freshman. Like they, they just blew up the, the, the two deep and started over on defense. And they got lit up to a level uh, that we really probably haven't ever seen an FBS defense get lit up. But like the whole trial by fire aspect now, like 
I, 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 I just want to see how much a, a, a unit that got that destroyed can actually improve because these guys have been tested. They've given, they've faced a lot of good uh, offenses this year. They got blown up by all of them, but now they're experienced and they weren't horrible recruits. And so I'm just from a pure thought experiment. I'm happy that, that he gets another year to, to see this experiment out. Now they better not have the number one thirty defense next year. Uh, you do figure Edsel's uh, going to be on something of a hot seat too, but I'm at least glad that he gets this opportunity to kind of to now grow all these freshmen that got their their crap kicked out of them this year. Uh, over on Reddit, Cyclofer six nine seven one, and he's tagged as that annoying Montana guy, so I can tell where his where his mind's at on this question. What does Chris Kleiman leaving in North Dakota State and Mike Houston leaving James Madison mean for the FCS? And what I thought was, is it a is it does he mean like? Can they reload? What's the state of S? What he means is, is this now a referendum or a stronger endorsement of SCS coaches going to FBS? I think the answer is yes. Hopefully. People are I mean, st- starting to notice that it's, again, they're not playing a different sport at that level. Right. And in, honestly, in, those, in, in the case of North Dakota State and James Madison, it means that coaches of really good teams who beat FBS teams anyway are now just getting a shot at the FBS level. So it makes total sense. Yeah, just as college – as people in the at the pro level are, are no longer looking at college like it's flag football, um, it is good to see that a couple of these guys get an opportunity. It has been interesting the last couple of years watching – like just like many trends in terms of who gets looked at, uh, whether yeah. it's the P5 coordinator who suddenly they, a bunch of those get hired, and now you've got a couple, at least a couple of FCS guys getting the move up again. Neil Brown's still at Troy somehow. Uh, it's been kind of interesting to to watch these little mini trends. Um, I would say this: there are there, there's an emerging set of programs that people are really are starting to respect in the coaching community and coaching circles, like. Oh, also, like I would add, I mean, you were talking about a, a jump, and it doesn't involve the the FCS powers like North Dakota State or you know App and Georgia Southern before them, or you know James Madison. Uh, was it Eastern Illinois that I'm thinking of? Sam Houston. Like, there's that crew that we know about because we watch those playoff games in December. Even if you don't follow the FCS, you're <laughs> sort of aware of those brands, right? But remember what Lance Lance Leipold did, you know, and he's now doing it again at Buffalo. I think that coaching search firms who are factoring more and more uh, heavily into a lot of these searches, I think they like the fact that you have established program uh, executives. And and I know the money's different and the stakes are different and there's a lot of noise that you get at the FBS level that's unique to that level. But if you've ever been to James Madison's campus, it looks like an ACC school. Yeah. There's a, a huge amount of undergrad up there. I spent 10 years of my life in Northern Virginia watching that school grow. It was a school that had I not moved high schools when I was a kid, I probably would have considered going to. That's a good, that's a good springboard program. That's as good a <laughs> springboard program as a lot of G5s, honestly. And I mean, he, he sprang that to a G5 and, and an old, an old G5 springboard program, an old G5 dominant team in East Carolina. So I think that if you're looking for validation, first off, if you're looking for validation for the FCS, don't it's, it's awesome, right? I love the FCS playoffs, and I <laughs> yeah. love I love the way those teams look and play and kick the crap out of somebody who's not paying attention, right? And, um, and it's just fun. Like the um, we we really had a lot of fun with the the fire W at Weber State Stadium um, w- when they played Maine a couple weeks ago. Like th- there are all these little traditions. Just it's so much fun. Like just uncovering, like opening up a Pandora's box and realizing, like man, these people that I've never paid attention to at all. And and I mean, chances are you haven't. Um, they have like thirty eight traditions, and they 
give a crap. And like so many people pour their heart into this program that I haven't ever seen on television. It's just fun having that door open for you. And you can get that door open for you every, every year in the FCS playoffs, the D two playoffs, the D three playoffs. Uh, it's really, really fun. It's, it's, it's one of the more enjoyable parts of this late part of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, like culture is culture. Like figuring out how to make players better is figuring out how to make players better. Obviously, there are different differences to the FBS level in terms of scholarships, in terms of your the size of your staff, stuff like that. But it's still it's still football, and um, you can play really good football at that level, and it, it can teach you a lot. Um, I did have a couple of. Um, of the Reddit questions, one very quick answer, and then one that really I can't believe we haven't addressed already. Okay. Uh, Synergy King asks, which element of S&P Plus is Bill most easy about purely in terms of statistical accuracy? For example, I'm thinking about how passes defense is fairly subjective and bookkeepers might be more generous to the home team. Um, passes defense. I was, was going to bring that one up next, actually. Okay, so passes defense as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it is a little, uh, it is kind of wild, but it's also a very small piece of the formula. So that's not going to, the biggest thing for me is always figuring out how to better adjust for opponents. I, I know S&P Plus doesn't, adjust as strongly as some systems do. And, and I mean, the results, I think, speak for themselves to some degree. Like, it, it does well. So, it, it, you know, it, I don't mind all that much. But there are there is always, like, a Fresno State, a Western Kentucky a couple of years ago, a team that just, from my own eyeballs, I can see, like, uh, I, w- I, w- I wish that maybe they weren't quite that high. I don't think they're quite that good. They're only top 20 good, not top 15 good or whatever. Um, the opponent adjustment aspect is always something I'm a little insecure about, and I'm always trying to figure out how to how – to do better so that's the passes defense and stuff that's no I'm, I'm i'm comfortable with that just because it doesn't play a huge role opponent adjustments are the biggest role um and then a question right above it in the reddit thread um <laughs> the, the, again this is an extremely papn topic earlier uh, early last week it came out that the aac was trying to establish a grant of rights system um <clears throat> and so here's the question from jds76 I saw that the AAC was considering a grant of rights deal with member schools. While I don't think schools like UCF, Houston, USF, etc. would want to sign such a deal, it did get me thinking about potential moves that would strengthen the conference, especially expansion, or specifically expansion. <clears throat> would expansion to 16 teams, uh, such as Army, Boise State, North Dakota State, and App State, plus becoming the first conference to institute pods, God bless you, my Army, um, raise the profile of the conference any in order to further separate itself from the rest of the group of five. I wonder if this is a more feasible way for schools like UCF or Boise to get into a bigger conference, not by expansion, which may never come, but by forming their own super mid-major conference. Um, They already are. I think, especially in their minds, they already have separated themselves from the rest of the G5 enough that they're not going to expand just to strengthen themselves, I don't think. Um, They certainly could strengthen themselves by adding Boise State and App State, um, especially, but, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a motivator just because they already think they're the best and they, and, I don't mean, technically they're right. Um, it is, I, I know, like, I know, I think you commented, we all commented in our Slack thread last week about the topic. It is funny to think about, uh, how big I was just complaining about the, the push for an 18 playoff, but the, if you get to the point where a G5, where you got an eight-team playoff and a G5 team is guaranteed to make that field, and the AAC is still kind of, you know, towering over the other G5s at least, it is impressive to think about like the difference that would make 
for the AAC long term because at that point, like the UCFs could technically say, you know what, we're better off here. We've got a playoff shot right here instead of going to the Big 12 and having to fight Oklahoma and Texas and whoever else. Like we have a pretty direct shot to the playoff right here. Let's stay here and let's build this baby. Um. Oh, we doubled up. Wow, this guy really wants this question to ask, so I'm going to do it. Okay, uh, Kmosh says because uh, he asked this on Twitter and on Reddit. So oh. good effort. Uh, I don't ever hear Brent Pry get mentioned for head coaching openings. His defenses have not been worse than 16th in S&P Plus since coming to Penn State, and I was just as worried we would lose him as Moorhead last year. Is he being mentioned by 80s, or is there something about him that scares them off? Or is he simply not interested in moving on beyond D.C.? Um, well, Kamosh, he, he was. Almost got, he almost got a job last year, yeah. He almost got uh, ULL. And he's also been considered for a number of other jobs, including Georgia Southern. Um, and I want to say... Ooh, I don't want to say because I can't remember exactly and I don't want to misspeak. But yes, Brent probably does get a look. Um, I think this year uh, <laughs> there are a lot of – I think this was not an active year. It was not, We didn't have as much turnover as we thought, and I think it was a matter of Penn State not, not being as sexy as they were the previous year and also probably the right job not opening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a timing thing with him because he did a hell of a job this year. He already had. Yeah. He, had, you know, Bob Shoop. They lose Bob Shoop. Um, it, you know, it, it, there's a little drama associated with that. He steps in. Um, it's considered an underwhelming hire because it was just kind of promotion from within. They haven't missed a beat. They've only gotten better. And this year, they start the year by having some glitches against App State. Um, bunch of freshmen and sophomores in the rotation. And they are 11th in defensive S&P+. Plus. They are basically the same defense every year at this point. And, and there is definitely something uh, to be said for that level of consistency. So I do think he's not... He's not as as charismatic as Joe Moorhead. He's not uh, kind of a standout personality in that regard, but he's proven himself as a defensive coach. No question about that. I think he could be. I just think he chooses to sort of stand back right now. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to him a lot over the years, and, I mean, he he has a certain sort of, like, zest to him. So, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I love that. I, I, think he, I think he could be a good press conference head coach. I mean, we know that doesn't win, but um, – it's possible. I just think that he's also very smart, knowing he's got a good situation. His father employed James Franklin, uh, Franklin, and uh, James hired Brent a long time ago, and they're very close. So I don't think there's any, you know, there's no reason to move on to it from a very good situation. G Goodman 09 asked PAPN, "What are the reasonable expectations for Nebraska next year?" I definitely think a bowl game is the minimum, but don't <laughs> oh, God, yeah. see it out of question to win the West. The defense will need to be better, though. Um, wow. He went from logical to yay. Yeah, um, there's going to be I, – I, I basically I, – I've said many times on this program, like talking to Nebraska fans in the offseason, basically saying, yeah, give him a year, and then he should be able to figure some things out. And everybody, of course, is like, yeah, but we could still be awesome this year, right? Like, no, just give him a year. But now they've given him a year. And so the hype train is going to get rolling here, especially with what they bring back on offense. So – Defense was horrible uh, at the end of the Mike Riley tenure. It definitely got better this year. It was extremely scattershot. It was good and terrible and decent and terrible, et cetera. Um, but, and, and it was very, very senior heavy. So I don't know what kind of breakthrough you can expect uh, on that side of the ball. But the offense is going to be fun as hell, and it's going to win them some games. Um, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to do this because I haven't done the research yet. But uh, Dan Klobuchar. Hmm. Klobuchar, that's totally wrong. I'm sorry. Klobuchar, maybe? 
Sure. Anyway. I don't know. Uh, he's a Minnesotan. Uh, what are the chances of a cold weather city getting the t- uh, title game? Minneapolis can, if Minneapolis can host the Super Bowl, it seems like we could host the national championship. All I need from you, Dan, is for the Vikings to knock the Saints out of the playoffs again. All right. Why don't you just do that first, and then we'll figure out everything else. Um, it's possible. You just need a roof. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna kind of be a necessity. Uh, There's yeah, a 100 percent chance that you will get ruled out if you ain't got a roof. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just flat out like it's not gonna. Uh, I'm trying to look up locations as fast as I can right now, but let's see. So it was in Atlanta last year. Um, it is at uh, in Santa Clara this year, and then uh, 2020. So that's the end of next season. It'll be in New Orleans. Um, which I guess means that there won't be a rotation of – I'm trying to think of the semis. I guess the Sugar won't be in it if the national title is in New Orleans next year. And then uh, – okay, so here's the list. Ready? Uh, this year at Santa Clara, next year at New Orleans. 2020 is Miami. 2021, it's happening, Dan. Lucas Oil Stadium, oh. Indianapolis, Indiana, it's happening. Boom, there you go. I'm sure the Big Ten is pumped about that. I'm sure Minnesotans then, don't consider Indianapolis cold-weather country, though. Well, that's because they are – uh, I've been playing a lot of God of War on PlayStation. I was trying to come up with a quick Norse terminology. <laughs> Jotunheim, I think? No, that's a place. They're Frost Giants, all you people in Minnesota. I love you to death. I'm very sorry about the 1998 NFC Championship, but I'm not that sorry because I was old enough to weep in 1991 during the World Series. But just beat the Saints. That's all I'm asking. You're very lovely people. Um, 2022, is that a, is a stadium that is currently a bunch of dirt and concrete? And that's the... <laughs> uh, the proposed, I mean, it's not, it's, it's happening. It's just happening, I think, very slowly. That's the new Ram Stadium in Inglewood. It's at, they're calling it LA Stadium in Hollywood Park, and I think it'll have a corporate title by then. And then uh, NRG in Houston is 2023. So, yeah, Indianapolis. Um, I definitely think Minnesota can get in on that bid, though, because it's a beautiful building from what I've been told, and there should be no problem. It's closed. Um, other northern cities... Soldier Field loses a lot of this stuff, man. They really do. And that's not a bad stadium at all. It's just not no. closed. No. Um, Ford Field could make a bid. Um, you know, they're not going to Lambo anytime soon. Can you close the roof <laughs> at the Brewer Stadium in Milwaukee? Uh, I mean, I think so, but I don't think they really are interested in I'm just man I'm just thinking outside the box. Uh obviously Cincinnati and Cleveland are out as well, so that pretty much is that pretty much is that. They're not going to Pittsburgh, they're not going to Philly. Uh the I think there was a certain level of like <sighs> sway that got the Super Bowl to New York. I covered that game. I don't think that's going to happen for the college football championship. And also I I am convinced they made a deal with the devil because I think I've said this before. I covered that Super Bowl. It was like 62 degrees <laughs> that the day of that Super Bowl and the next morning my hotel was at the very is in southern Manhattan. It was actually right next to our current SB Nation office before we moved there. And I woke up and there was a foot of snow. <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced they made like that Goodell's got that kind of power. That was the Seattle Denver Super Bowl. Oh, okay, right. Um so, it's possible, Dan. Um all I would like to say to in this question is that Santa Clara and Levi Stadium sucks. It was a terrible idea to put it there. <laughs> really when, it, when does Vegas get the national title game? That's what I want to know. Vegas will bid, uh, I'm sure, and I would also expect in the near future to uh, see Vegas replace Santa Clara as the location of the Pac-12 yes. championship. If they can do one damn thing right this offseason and build a little positive momentum, it would be that, without a doubt. Where do you want to go next? I will go 10 more minutes, Bill. 
We'll extend oh, wow. out this. Yeah, we'll extend out this episode. We'll go ten more minutes. How many questions can we do in ten minutes? Do you want to go rapid fire or just answer a couple? Man, until seriously, I got to reopen stuff. I thought we were about done. All right, so you go first because I got to reopen. Ben Whitehead says, "When should I stop worrying about Neil Brown leaving Troy? Uh, if he has by the time you've read this, do you, would you think he'd be a good replacement?" <laughs> Uh, ben, you always have to worry about that. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. He's been there. He's yeah. done a hell of a job. He's built consistency. It's time for him to move on and take that next challenge in the P5. It doesn't mean that your program is any worse at all. I promise. Um, let's see. <laughs> Our yeah, friends at the don't smoke. Don't worry about that. Just worry about nailing the next tire. Yeah, exactly. That's the hardest thing to do. The Smoking Musket asks, so, thought, does Saban ride out the Tua Tuolia, I, I can never pronounce his little brother's name, death wave straight into retirement. I think that prognosticating Saban's retirement is a fool's errand. Yes. I would not try and venture to guess anything more than that. That I just A don't more think sentimental coach, would, I mean, that would certainly make some sense, especially if, you know, he gets another two or three or however many national titles out of this. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to try to, to yeah. figure that one out. Uh, Tyler Long 5, this is asked a really good question. This is some more you know action right here. When a coach leaves and takes most of his staff to the new school, who coaches the bowl game? Is it a skeleton <clears> staff? <throat> Examples in my head, App State, Temple, Utah State. Uh, it's different depending on the situation. but um, Quite possibly, one of, yeah. One of the unique things that I thought Temple did, it, it was by decree of Jeff Collins, is that he's going to take some of those coaches, some of those coaches from the Temple staff to Georgia Tech. He said in his hiring press conference that he refused to take any of them until that process had concluded for Temple, specifically out of respect to the players, because at a program like Temple where you work your ass off to get to a bowl and it's not a guarantee and it very much is, you know, jokes about Shreveport aside, it's a trip and it's a reward for a program that's very hard scrabble. He didn't want to take anything away from that. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. To answer your question, it's always an amalgamation. It's always a weird thing. A lot of times, high-ranking uh, graduate assistants will yes. be put into on-field coaching roles. That's usually how the stopgap is created. And before anyone asks, if you are an analyst, um, you cannot become an on-field coach. So that doesn't work. <laughs> Just so you know. Right. Just so you know. Um, one from the Reddit... The problem with the Reddit is that they're the smartest of the questions, but they're also longer. Yes. So it's hard to do kind of rapid fire action there. Well, here's um, one um, that was asked in the Reddit and our French car group to kind of uh, <clears throat> hinted at it too. Uh, do you think the Big Ten might actually go away from the current championship format? And do you think that the Big 12 model or pods are more likely? Um, the Big 12 hmm. model only works because there are 10 teams. It doesn't work for 14 teams. You're not going to play a 13-game yeah. ra- uh, round robin. Of course, leave it up to Jim Delaney to try. But um, but no, so, I mean, it's it's not applicable. Like, And it's still kind of – I mean, I realize you made a lot of money and you got your Oklahoma-Texas rematch and all that, so nobody's complaining about the Big 12 title game, but it's still kind of dumb to have a perfect round robin and then cap it with, a, with another game just for fun. Um, but uh, you know, along those same lines, the the Big Ten situation, they they have at least acknowledged that hey, you know, I think our divisions are a little lopsided, and it's resulting in some not so great title games. Although, I mean, Wisconsin and Penn State and Wisconsin Ohio State were both good games. It's still the East winning every single year. Yep. Um, and so Maybe. it does. It does Maybe make that it division a very, structure doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it does make it a very 
uh, fer- ripe and fertile uh, conference for attempting a pod situation where you've got your permanent arrivals and you play everybody else on on mix and um, you know hey Jim Delaney give me a call I'll I'll work it out for you we've worked out the details already uh, in in previous espionation posts it works wonderfully with eight game conference schedules if you want to insist on keeping nine that's fine uh, it'll work even better than technically although the the rotations get a lot messier so. Um, it just, it, it works and, and it doesn't make any sense to insist on some sort of geographical, geographical divide and have, in this case, what was basically your, your conference's best team against like the sixth best team in your conference in the conference title game. It was, I was happy for Northwestern fans. Um, they got to make the trip. They got to, to brag on Twitter. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't. number one versus two it wasn't number one versus number three it wasn't number one versus four in that conference and you know if that that would seem to matter um good question here because i think it's a it's a cool way of thinking but there's a reality to it i can't even do your username it's just a series of numbers when is a mac team going to build their own fargo dome this would would this solve the late season attendance problems? So the answer is probably they won't because those things are very expensive to build. Yeah. The reason why the Fargo Dome exists is because, and it, it is actually not named the Fargo Dome uh, when it was originally. I I checked on this. Um, I had a suspicion I was right that this is a mixed use facility operated and financed by the city of Fargo, and it's done on university land. So it was a it was a public university and then city partnership, which offsets the construction cost considerably. It was financed through a city sales tax. So again, these are things that where you have to get the city involved and essentially in a city like Fargo, you're not this is sort of taking the place of of the kind of financing you would do for for, you know, protein facilities that bring in events. Right. So the Fargo Dome is unique because in Fargo, North Dakota, you're not going to have an NHL, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball team. They built a catch-all facility on NDSU campus property where it is concerts, it is conventions, it is you know everything an event indoors would be. Right. right? Everything that most cities build four or five different properties for, it does all of it. It only seats, and this is amazing, 19000 for football bill. That is amazing because <laughs> it is a – I've had people from Georgia Southern specifically tell me it is just a awful wall of noise and a yep. very intimidating environment. Um, it was originally Unidome. supposed to be – what's that? The Unidome uh, north, uh, at Northern Iowa I think is the pretty much exactly the same thing. Um, it was supposed to be – this I looked up on Wikipedia. It was supposed to be like the Tacoma Dome originally, and so it's supposed to have an inflatable roof. It's not actually a dome. It's more of a, just a structured build. It, it's really more functionally a building like a oh right right yeah. a field house. You know, it's it's like something you might see for an NBA team. It's just that they call it the Fargo Dome because they play football in it, and the name stuck. So, to answer the Mac question, it's a financing issue. You know, <laughs> if the University of Buffalo and the City of Buffalo want to get into that, the problem is the Sabers already play somewhere, right? Um, that's why it seems tougher in a lot of these situations. The other issue is honestly that the economics in a lot of these cities aren't great. Bowling right. Green. Akron. Um, it would have it's, to be, it's, it's yeah. It's not you, great. You, like Fargo is a city and, and Cedar Rapids is a city. So, or Cedar Falls, excuse me, is a city. Um, so it would have to be like a Toledo situation or a, uh, you know, you look at Eastern Michigan. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Ypsilanti is like spitting distance from the University of Michigan. So yeah. going in on some sort of city and school yeah, no. funded project, it's just unlikely. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's just unlikely. Um, all right, Bill. Last question. You want to pick it? 
I got to scroll back through the Twitter. Where did I had a couple? I've got one if you need it. Yeah, do it. Rakiri, he's a USC fan. He asks, how dumb is the, aven- quote, avenging your only loss, uh, in a, end quote, in a conference title game as a narrative? <laughs> well, it was really dumb, except that it worked this year. Well, it definitely worked. Um, if he's just saying, how dumb is it that we take it seriously? Pretty dumb. Pre- quite, I mean, sure. Like, what would uh, – if Ohio State some, had somehow gotten a chance at Purdue in the in – the, conference title game and they'd blown him out it wouldn't have it would have almost reinforced the fact that hey you lost to this team by 29 <laughs> how did you do that um what's really interesting to me is this is a big reinforcement of the S&P plus sort of mission statement like let's look at okay let's look at red river for a second and then zombie red river uh texas jumps out to a, a pretty substantial lead and is really whooping that ass at a certain point in red river and then oklahoma does the responsible accomplished thing for good football teams do is they just claw and fight and, and get back to it right that game ends up ending on a field goal for texas right so s&p plus and you tell me if i'm wrong about any of this looks at that game and says oklahoma fought back they lost by a field goal that's a good performance right well, I mean, it, it went further than that. It said Texas was only leading because of a couple turnovers, and therefore I know you was definitively the better team here. But yeah, awesome, perfect. See, that's and so the, that's my point. When you look at it intelligently, and this is why we use advanced analytics. This is why Bill does what he does. Is it's not just, hey man, they, they lost them some bitches. Like it's not that simple. So what did Oklahoma actually gain by beating Texas in Zombie Road River? Not much. Uh, well, theoretically, right. From a, right? From a, I mean, obviously we heard it a lot. So obviously, getting a rematch and and, a, and like erasing that loss clearly mattered to some people. But basically, they got a shot at a wherever the hell S and P has Texas now, top 30, 40, whatever. Um, they got a shot at a decent team and handled their business. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, it, it like they still would have made the playoff had they beaten West Virginia in the title game. So I don't really think it probably benefited them, but it is kind of a it is a a, a a narrative device more than it is anything useful. I think. Yeah. All right, Bill, that's going to do it. I will see you for some fresh and timely PAPN-ish. <laughs> um, again, we're sort of floating, uh, kind of aiming at a date. There's some extenuating circumstances on this with holiday and some other stuff. So I will say roughly we will see you somewhere between the range of the 27th and the 29th. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we try and be really, really good and really, really transparent when there, when there are delays or adjustments or whatever. However, Bill, we got a stocking stuffer coming, and we're not going to tell you when that hits. That's true. Happy holidays.